With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, Recorded live.
revealed is Jesus Christ. When we take the bread, we're not just taking a hunk of nourishment. We're actually partaking of who he is, his essence. That's why we're healed. That's why we're delivered. That's when we come. We lay down our burdens. The blood of Jesus has freed us from those things, which from sin, the areas where we miss God, the word of God says that we have been delivered from all unrighteousness. And we live in that state of being delivered continuously. So we're able to move towards righteousness and be free. Lay all the burdens down because, see, sometimes we pick things up that have nothing to do with God. Sometimes we pick things up that we shouldn't pick up. Sometimes we pick up someone else's burden. The body of Christ is just that. Every joint supplies. Sometimes all it takes is a hand that you put on someone's back and you whisper the blessing. You whisper, be free. You whisper, peace. You whisper, healing. Or they might just need a hug. That's all. And there's a release. But we lay aside the burden. See, we've hardened ourselves to stand in the storm without allowing Jesus to take us through the storm. Are you with me? So as we take the bread, let us be free from that which holds us back. Can I tell you something? Our flesh loves to hang on to things that it shouldn't hang on to. All sickness and disease is not sent from God. So therefore we release that. And we, re- and we take upon ourselves healing that was provided for us at the cross. Himself bore all our sicknesses and diseases. By his stripes we were healed. He sent his word and healed us. I am the God that heals thee. Can I go on? Take the breath. You know, there was a crown of thorns that was placed on his head. You're free from mental anguish. Mental anguish will zap you of all energy and will lie to you continually. Be free. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from all unrighteousness. You stand before God as though you've never sinned. You are justified in his place. Get your mind off of everybody else. Well, I don't know if they can be... No, 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 no. You just take on 
what God has done for you. This is a time for you to stand before him. Quit looking at other people. Don't live in anybody else's head. And don't think of any other thoughts about yourself that God, other than what God would think about you. What is God thinking about you at that moment? That's all you need to know. Take the blood. Take the cup. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before you sit down, hug on somebody, and then you may be seated. Thank you. Good job, Master. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. under here. <laughs> there was Kleenex under here. All right. Talk show is now on. We have talk show on Thursdays. Everyone is welcome. It started out for people that are on CYC, but it is an open forum. It's a little bit different because we've been traveling through the scriptures concerning who we are, what we're doing, what we're about. And some of them might say, well, I already am. Really? Then let me. Hey, how many here know somebody that could have used, this ministry, could have used ministry like this uh, right now? How many here knows, know somebody that could have used what God was doing just now during our worship service. All right? Then those are the people that you invite to church next week. They got to be here. And, uh, you know, we've got unlimited gold and silver that's coming out through the word and through ministry. And we just need to let people know and put them in the atmosphere for to receive. And don't ever think, oh, they can't receive. Just watch and see what God does. I've seen God reach the unreachable. It was it was said for a little while that a good friend of ours, she was a, a you know what's funny is I call her a friend, and she was indeed a friend, and her name was Connie, and she was, you know, we were in our teens and our twenties, and uh, we brought her to the Lord Jesus Christ. And she was one that says she would never, never, ever, you know, do such things. And she did. 
And we had some Bible studies at our place where the presence of God would come in so, so rich. And uh, her friend that lived next door got saved. And her husband was gloriously saved. Don't ever say someone's unreachable because the people that you think would never answer an altar call will answer the altar call. Or people that you think would never receive healing and ministry, they're the ones. Well, anyway... We're going to talk about something. We're going to, we're going to continue in, in what we were doing. Oh. Uh, children? Manny? Children? Youth? I, you're tugging on your beard. I don't know what that means. Children and youth. Oh, hairy face kids. Okay. Girls, you're dismissed. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. All the hairy-faced girls, man, he said you guys can go. <laughs> I'm going to step back just a little bit. All that, all that cold air is hitting me in the face. David, get that up for me, please. Now, last week we talked about, I want you to, I'm going to bring you to remembrance. Last week we talked about that you are the team that God has chosen for the gathering place to bring us into a place of prominence in the, gospel, in the kingdom of God. And you might look around and say, we're coming up to prominence? Hmm, you know what? Your, your homework is to go watch the movie Kelly's Heroes and find out what they did. <laughs> your job is to look at the 12 disciples. And found out and find out how they became apostles. Because he took a gang of guys that were just rough, like rough cut wood. And you know what's happening is that God lived on the inside of them. And uh, they were still rough cut wood as they went ahead and did what they had to do. See, so they became, they became smooth as they did the work of the ministry. Now, what's that? That's right. David's mighty men. They were all discouraged, disdained, disbarred from every part of society. And they came to lived with David at, at the uh, caves of Agilom. And they became David's mighty men. And all David had to say is, which had some water from back home. Two guys went behind enemy lines, came back and brought him water. And David was so honored that he dumped the water on the ground in their honor. You might be saying, what? But you know what? They understood. You know why they understood? Because they were, watch this. This is what y'all have to be, all of us in this place were warriors at heart. Why? Because God called himself, what did he call himself? Man of war. Not, and not a man that he wants to, not, not like because he wants to fight, but he had a warrior spirit because he was aggressive in love. He was aggressive in reaching you. He was aggressive in, in protecting his people. He's aggressive in making sure that you have all your needs met. And he's aggressive in providing his word because his word is what's got the power to get you and have you, and give you everything that you need. There's times that he says to have faith like a child, where you have faith just to receive. Other times you have faith to get. You have life-giving faith. Basically brings life. But see, can I tell you something? All of them require an action on your part. And so we were talking about how that God filled his people with the Spirit in the Old Testament. And they were filled with wisdom and knowledge 
to carry out the works. And, we, and I gave you the scriptures last week, and, and uh, we can go into those afterwards. But one of them is in Exodus 31.3, because he was filled, Bezalel was filled with the Spirit. And God gave him the Spirit of wisdom. And he had knowledge and the crafts. And, and, and he, you know what? And it was personal. You know what that means? is that God filled him with the Spirit so that he could accomplish what he alone was called to do in concert with the other people that were working towards the same goal. Are you with me? I want you to understand that. Father, thank you that your word brings life, that your word brings light, that your word, Father, brings knowledge and abilities, Father, that we didn't know we had. Your word brings grace. It brings faith to act upon that which you provided for us in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to see this. But in the, in the New Testament, we were filled with the Holy Spirit, with power, dunamis power. The church was born on the day of Pentecost. One, you know, they, thousands were born again. And, and I brought out the fact that thousands were born again. One hundred went out to go evangelize. Now watch this. The others stayed to do what? Now watch. One of the things that we talk about is that Without organization, there can be no demonstration. We have to be able to catch the fish that we catch. We don't, we're, not, we're not the type to catch and release. A lot of times in the body of Christ, we go win souls and we catch and release. And it's not, that wasn't the way it was done. A lot of people say, well, it's a little bit different now. No, you know what the difference is? Is that we're not fully committed to bring them in. When you go shopping... Do you go out there and pay for all your groceries and then just leave them at the check stand and go home? No, let me say that again. When you go shopping, whether you're buying groceries or clothing, whether you're at Macy's or at Albertsons, do you go out there and buy all your stuff and then just leave it at the check stand and go on? Do we do that? No. Then we should not do that with the people that we bring into the kingdom. How about how, how many have ever watched? And I'm sure someone's seen it more than you know once or twice. How many have ever watched a show, that TV thing, the, the reality TV, a Deadliest Catch, where they're out there catching uh, crap? How many know that these guys don't go out there on those? Have you seen some of those waves they get hit with? Have you seen some of the danger they put themselves in? Some of the ice that they go through? And and watch this. Do they go out there and just catch them all? And on their way home, open up the hull at the bottom, let all the crap go out the door. Is, is that how they work? Nope. They bring it in, don't they? They, they? they bring it in, and who gets paid for those crabs? They do. They don't turn around and say, hey, you know that ship over there? Just give it to them. Nope. They bring it in, and, and they market it. They, they put it out there. Now, you're saying, Pastor, why are you bringing this out? I have to make this point because if we're going to – he put it up there. RBI. You know that Jesus said go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom? Did you know that one of the words I found so unique – I found this word, it said recruit. Now, recruiting, do I, if the Navy goes out to recruit, does the, Ar- does the Navy recruit and then hand them off to the Army? No. <laughs> they don't. They might, if they don't really qualify, they might kind of slide them over to a Marine. But they, but, but you know what I'm saying is that when they're recruiting, they, what are they building? They're building their own branch of the service, aren't they? And they don't turn around and they don't ask, don't tell. They just bring them in. They test them for aptitude to see if they... Now watch. When they test them for aptitude, it's not to catch and release. It's so that they know where to put them. 
They know where to rank them. I, 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 they, they begin to, they bring them in and test them so that they know. Watch this. It's just like God does. He said, I know the plans I have for you. How many know that already? What, how many know plans not to harm you? Plans for good and to give you an expected what? And so your future with God will look good. So when they recruit you, they win you. And you know that they win you to, to they'll show you what you're doing, all the adventures. You're going to go underwater. You're going to come up. You're going to get to shoot guns. You're going to do, you know what? You're going to kind of, you're going to, you're going to paraglide off of mountains. I mean, they show you like you're going to be on, on a, a, you know, have all this fun. Sometimes people don't ever get to do that in their, they're in their base because they'll test you and they say, oh, okay, you're, you're going to be good and, and you're going to help mop the boat. How many know the guys that help mop the boats are the ones that they're very necessary? Now, and you know what? You'll have plenty. If you don't, if you don't take care of an air, an, a deck where the planes land, those suckers will slide right off the, the end of the, the ship. They'll rust. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things to do, right? Everyone's got a place. Well, I looked up that word recruit, and that's what it means. It means that you're bringing them in for acts of service, but the service is a branch like in a military branch, because see, everything that, see, we got to change what we see in the, in the Western mindset. We have to change it. You know what we have to change it to do? We have to understand that they had, what was their point of reference? The Roman army. The governments that were set up around them. Are, are, you, are you hearing what I'm saying? So when the Romans would recruit, the Romans would, you know, you know what the Jews were known for when Babylon would recruit them? They would put these guys in charge of banking. They'd help them in administration and government. These, these, they were put to work in these areas. And you know what it was called? Listen, listen, I want you to understand. How many have ever seen where they say that they were in captivity? How many have ever seen that in the old? Okay, I want to show you what this means. We think because we watch, how ever watch Disney with Moses? Work all day, work all night. Now, even there was a lot of that. How many, you know what? When I worked at UPS, it was the same thing. Except they wouldn't have whips. They would stand behind you. Come on! Let's go! Come on! Faster! Let's go! And I'm, t- I'm telling you, they were like seals. Another guy come on and say, come on! Come on! Let's go! Rosales! Why are you slowing down? I'm slowing down. You know, I want to throw boxes at them. So they come in. Well, I felt like I was part of the, Egypt, the people under Egyptian rule. Well, that's what they did. It's hot. We need water. We'll give you a break. Two minutes. Get water. Come back. Now, I didn't complain because I was getting something back. When they were in captivity, you know why they called it captivity? Because they were a nation, and they weren't allowed to be a nation unto themselves. That's why they were in captivity. What would happen? Uh, you know, the, the old school... Um, what was that movie called where they came and they were a bunch of high schoolers that beat up the Russians? Uh, something Don or something? Red Don. Red Don. And they came in here and all the high schoolers just knocked them out. And if we weren't those high schoolers, they would, we would have been in captivity. But anyway, the, the Russians all came and they were going to take over the United States. Guess what that would have been called? Captivity. Would we still live in our homes? Yes. Would we be, would we be working? You better believe it. We'd be working for the state. But we wouldn't be our own nation. Are you, that's what captivity was. We think that we were in dungeons, and yeah, all that existed. But captivity was that they were not allowed to be the people that God called them to be. Now, knowing that, how many captives are there outside the walls of this church? Even Christian captives. 
because they're stuck on the hamster wheel of the world and thinking that's all there is. That's captivity. My brothers and sisters, that's captivity. I want you to understand that. So when we're reading these scriptures, and I'm sharing these things with you, when we are recruiting for the branch of service, Jesus says that we bring him in, and then what do we do? Occupy till he comes. You know what occupy means? It means that we're stemming the tide of the world to overcome what's happening on this planet. Because we've been given charge of this planet. So when it says to occupy, how many of you have read the, the, the rapture scriptures in, in, the Bethel, in the book of Thessalonians where it talks about when he that led us is taken up, then the floods of evil come in. And it says the word means let us, but it means we are the agents that hold back the stem of evil from coming in and taking over the earth. It's, it's the Holy Spirit in us. We occupy. Now, how much, land, how much do we occupy? Well, it depends on what God called us to do. This is why we raise up, watch, we're raising up leaders and managers to manage. You know what? If we don't have a value to what we're moving in, we don't know what to manage and what to hold. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want to teach you the elements of the kingdom so that we can know what we rule and reign. We rule and reign. And then, you know, we've been taught that ruling and reigning has a lot to do with prosperity. We reign. We're going to get rich. Because it was taught in conjunction with. And we need to know that. Did you know that God, I'm going to, I'm going to make a statement a lot of people trip on. God wants you rich. But that's a relative word. See, some might say, well, rich to me means I, I live in a mansion with, with a Corinthian marble uh, columns and, and gold faucets. And, uh, and the other people mean you have a big, big house that's spread out, you know, a 2,300 square foot home, enough for you and people who come over, two acres of land to enjoy and, and, and surrounded by nature. Some people think, well, that's not prosperity. I want, I want to live on the hill. I don't like living on the hill. I like living in a place that's spread out. But other people see prosperity and it's relative to you. But prosperity and to be rich is to have enough to supply your needs and enough to be able to give as God directs. Okay? So that way we don't look at equality because some people say, well, there's inequality. I'm going to share it. You want an answer to some people who preach against prosperity who say, well, so-and-so has a big house and they don't need it. You know what you do? That... God doesn't look at equality the way that we do because everyone talks, speaks about the subject of inequality in the body. You know that some people don't like yard work, period. So you know what they get? A condo or townhome. How do you live in a condo? Can't even breathe. But those people that live in condos are so happy that they don't have to mess with grass and, and none of the other stuff that goes along with that. But someone else might have some, a big place. And, and, and you know what it is? It's not that it's in, it's, if there's inequality. It's what people prefer and what they like. How many of you seen the, those, the, those, we were talking on the way up here, reality shows where these people are wanting to live in the dinkiest houses ever to make things, like they want to live in 300 square feet. And, you know, that's, that's tiny. That's room for, it's like a studio apartment. And And you just... You see a bathroom? You have to open the door and squeeze in and close it so you can use any facility, whether it be a sink or a tub. And that's how they want to live. And they think they're rich. They got everything we want. Right? So does this all make sense? Some people like Macy's. 
some people like, I don't know, Target. And they're happy. See, but the world has got us labeled. You know why? Because the world is moving us towards, watch this, image. You know what gets worshipped in the end time? Image of the beast. We're getting trained to worship and to bow to image. That's why people look at other people as they look at them down if they're not in fashion. In church it happens. If I don't wear a tie, I'm looked at as like, well, I'm irreligious. Right? You're lucky I don't wear shorts and sandals. So that, uh, there's, church, there's a church called Sandals, and the pastor actually wears shorts and sandals. But you know why? Because the people that go to him don't care whether he's wearing sandals or not. Now, some places, they like them all decked out. Everybody goes decked out to church. Is, what, is there any quality there? No. It's preference. Say preference. Now, the world has inequality. The world will judge you based upon your financial standing or not. You know what's crazy is that the world will judge you on a FICO score. Isn't that stupid? And, everybody, and they're teaching this in school because they want to put you in a system that, de- that, that you become dependent on depending on how you score. Isn't that crazy? And, depend- and you get penalized if you don't score high. So if you don't have credit, you have a low score. Because they can't tell who you are because you're not in debt and working in the system. So they penalize you for not having debt. Isn't that amazing? And some people say, well, if you can't beat them, then join them. That's your preference. Okay? I'm going to say that. That's your preference. Now, I'm teaching this because of what I'm about to say, because what I'm about to say is how the kingdom of God operates. These are standards of how the kingdom of God operates. But I wanted you to answer because there's many people that come and they, they'll nitpick you and say, what about these preachers that have this? What about them? Don't you believe that they should give it all to the poor? I said, Jesus was approached the same way. When a woman busted a jar of the most expensive perfume on him, don't you think you could have got that, sold it, and given it to the poor? What was his answer? The poor will always be among you. You know what? That was a statement not about being co-blended to the poor. Is that the system of poverty and the system of Caesar will always exist. And if that exists, you will always have poor among you. Because when he preached the kingdom, he said the first thing you do is preach the kingdom to what? The message of the kingdom to who? The poor. Why? Because the message of the kingdom is that you don't have to be poor anymore. You understand? The world wants to argue on their arena. You gotta, you, you, I'm teaching you something about the kingdom. It's got its own language. It's got its own economy. And we've got to begin to move our mindset towards what God says, not what the world says. When we get to the place where we have the numbers, we will not have to bow to a FICO score. I, I thought some of y'all would say amen. But it's the truth. Because they penalize you because you're not part of their system. You know what's going to happen next? Alongside a FICO score, you're going to have to barcode on your forehead. No, I'm kidding. But just <laughs> There's more truth to that, but it, recruiting has everything to do with bringing people in to make them part of your army. See, Jesus didn't just watch. The Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Where do we find that? Everyone say the Bible. 
was reconciling the world unto himself. So if the world has already been reconciled unto himself, what are we doing? We're bringing people back from, re- from reconciliation to redemption. When we bring them into redemption, they, they, they are signed up for the service of the Lord. You say, Pastor, why are you equating it with that? Because everybody who comes to Jesus Christ begins to receive a stack of green. You know what that stack of green is? The full armor of God. You've got a helmet, a breastplate, a belt of truth, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. What is it? You have, you have a helmet. You have a sword. Matter of fact, you have a, a, a big shield. You have a little shield. And you have a big sword and a small sword. You know what that is? The big sword is to fight far off. The other one is to fight battles between you and another. Now, the book of Ephesians is all about warfare, spiritual warfare. I like what the Bible says, weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Speaking of the strategies of warfare, if we're to occupy, we've got to have a strategy. Amen? We don't just come and get people saved and all willy-nilly, all right, well, I'm preaching. You know, but we're, we're, there's an organization to what God does. And so we come into a place, watch. We start out as servants, we come in as friends, and then we become sons of God. But we stay bound to the. Can I tell you, God's idea of all of this is family. It's the father and his family. But watch. You know that his word... What is the number one, what is, what is in heaven that holds all things together? The word of his power. It's his presence, his essence. Brings light, brings life to everything around it. Did you know that we're to bring the essence of the kingdom is to see that manifestation in heaven mirrored here on earth. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Are you, are you listening to what I'm saying? I want you to really catch a hold of that because a lot of people used to say, oh, when we get to heaven, no. His will is to be done in earth as it is in heaven. How do we know God's will? It's in his word. How do we know what the word says? It is revealed. How many know that Jesus was the revelation of the spoken word that started in Genesis? What was the revelation that, that Peter received in Matthew 18? Excuse me, Matthew 16? What was it? That you are the son of the living God. Isn't that true? He said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, Peter. Now, what does flesh and blood do? I'm going to take you somewhere. How many know that, he, that Peter had heard the scriptures before? How many know that he probably had heard the scripture, that the promises of the Messiah coming? Listen to me, amen? How many know that these men had all heard the message of the Messiah? Now watch this. I want you to, did you know that flesh and blood had heard the message? Every say yes. Now watch. But what revealed and gave revelation that the, that the promise of that prophetic promise was standing in front of him. God revealed it to him. He said, my Father which is in heaven revealed this to you, not flesh and blood. How many know that sometimes we read the Bible with, with flesh and blood? How many know that sometimes we read the Bible and we discern it with flesh and blood because we go to the concordance, we go to the, the commentaries, we go to the uh, Strongs, and we break it down, and we break it down, and we break it down, we parse the sentence, we parse the chapter, we parse the book, and we've got knowledge. But how many know that it's not until it's revelation knowledge that you're able to act upon it? Because before that, it's a discipline. Amen? It's a discipline. How many know that it's a good discipline? Amen? 
I'm not saying it's bad. It's a good discipline to discipline yourself according to the words and principles in the Word of God. But when it becomes rhema, it becomes something that you'll die for. Rhema means a personal revealed Word of God. That's the simplest definition I can give you. It's revealed to you on the inside. How many ever got something where you got fireworks off the Bible? Just, wow, this is so amazing. And you go to share it with someone and they say, oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah, you know what? God showed me that last week. You know what your balloon goes, but that's all right. That's your revelation. Now what? <laughs> when we begin to operate under that watch, in its presence, we have a system of core values that we live by on the inside. Everyone say core values. You know, the Bible says that out of your belly shall flow the rivers of living water. It's out of the core of your being. What you believe is what flows out of you all the time. You need to know that. But Jesus made an inference that if you eat this bread and drink this water, says rivers of living water will flow from you. Now, what was the prerequisite? Listening to his words. Taking him in. Now watch. Let's go to our, in our Bibles to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the, is the driving force of the language of the kingdom of God. Then what's the driving force? What is it that holds it all together? It's love. Everyone say love. So if we're going to recruit, we, that means that God so loved the world he gave his son. Do you love the world? Oh, no, Pastor, I don't love the world. Well, Jesus did. God loves the world. I'm not talking about the system. You know, can I tell you, I've got to tell you something here before. A lot of people that, that, are get, that get into the grace message jump into the world. You know why? Because they're ignorant. Because the Bible says, love not the world or the things of the world. The Bible says that the things of the world are enmity against God. Why? Watch this. Because he doesn't want you in captivity. He doesn't want anything owning you. We were talking about singers yesterday. And we were talking about some singers, and they said, well, they have no choice but to sing. It's true. They, they sell their soul for the person who signs them up. And they're told what to sing. They're told how many times to perform. Their life is not their own. Now watch this. Listen. Oh, yeah, but that's the business. Yes, it is. They might perform 420 times in a 365-day year. Okay, now watch. I want you to listen. And they sing songs that you would. Marvin Gaye, you know, they sing a lot of songs like the sexual healing. He said he hated all of that music, but he was under contract to sing that stuff. Now watch. Now watch this. Watch this. I want you to listen. The Bible says that when you came into him, you were bought with a price, and you're not your own. And you have a contract that's sitting right in front of you if you've got a Bible. And it tells you who you are, what he's made you to be. He set you free so that you can express yourself. He said, I'm not taking away your, who you are, because who you are was, was thought of before the foundations of the world. And I fit you with talent and abilities, and now when you enter the kingdom, he enhances those things. But you're bought with a price, and you're not your own, and we have a job to do, which is to bring redemption to the rest of this orphan planet and bring people into the family as God their Father would lead us through his son Jesus Christ, the head of the church, till we all get to heaven. When we get to heaven, it continues. Did you know that you'll be more of who you are today when you're in heaven? Your talents and abilities don't disappear. We're not on a cloud eating cream cheese table. Where we have been set up to be everything God called us to be. 
and that's what we offer eternity, but we're enhanced. See, we need to understand that. This is why God has us living by faith here, because we are here in faith, we would be in heaven all the time. You catching this? See, and it's because he loved you. It's because he loves you. He said, well, God's taking away, watch this, watch this. He's taking away my free moral choice. What, you know, people call it say, free will. Now watch this. You know that, <laughs> I'll ask you, free will. Everybody's saying, free will, yes. You know that even anarchists have their own rules? Anarchists will kill you if you don't follow their anarchy rules. Isn't that funny? They all have their rules. There's no such thing as true anarchy, and there's no such thing as total free will. You can decide and be whatever you want, and everyone thinks that's free will. But once you decide what you want to be, you're under, someone, you're under a system or you're under a, a, a system of core belief. Isn't that true? Where's your free will? When you go to work, do you have free will? Heck no. For eight hours or ten hours, you, you belong to the man. True? They're trading you. You give me your time, and I give you some greenbacks. Every hour you're here, I give you a certain amount of greenbacks. And you know what? We sign up. We relinquish our free will. We wear silly uniforms sometimes, don't we? Sometimes we do silly cheers, don't we? And we have to talk to people a certain way that's so unnatural to the way we are. Isn't it true? You can't get mad at someone just because, because you're on, you're, you're, you don't have free will. Isn't it true? It would be nice to stupid people sometimes that ask stupid questions. Now, I'm just being facetious, but isn't it true? Yes. <laughs> and I'm just thinking of some experiences, but it's the truth. Now, isn't that something? You know that when you, have, when you go home and if you're married, you don't have free will either. Because the Bible says that your wife is yours and, she, and, and, and I'm hers. No free will. That's the truth. You have kids, you don't have free will. You have kids, forget it. They start crying. You know, they say, well, I'm going to cry a couple hours tomorrow. We'll, you know, we'll go get them. Doesn't go that way, does it? When they're hungry, they're hungry, right? No, it's true. What, free will? Where is it? Everything that you sign up for in life is doesn't have free will. I want to play football. Really? Okay. Well, then, you know, you have to practice. Where's your free will? Now, again, I'm, I'm, I, it's not a dead horse I'm killing. I'm just taking care of the argument that says, you know what? People mean free will. They mean they want to do what they want to do. And you can't. But you're always going to serve a system. True? You're going to be sheep to whoever you submit yourself to. Now, there's some sheep that are in charge. Sorry. But we're going to get to that. See, Jesus said, he, you know what? Those of you that are called shepherds, I was reading about shepherds. Oh, my goodness. You, lead, you want to be leadership? You know what it means? It means your life is not your own. So when we bring someone into the kingdom, now watch. Faith is, 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 is what drives the language of love, and love is the language of the kingdom. Now watch this. And it becomes our mode of exchange. Faith. Faith will get you what grace. Grace will set the table. Faith determines what you get. And faith is driven by hope. Now, hope gives vision. I'm going to show you this. And vision is what you see, and what you see is what gives substance to the unseen. Now, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now that I've thoroughly confused you, but watch this.
you know, the, Philist, the, the Philistines or the Philistines, these guys were relentless, weren't they? They'd always look for a way to get in. There. And you know what? The Philistines were people who would even take in David as an enemy to fight for him. David was a mercenary. Imagine that, working for the enemy, being a mercenary. But it's safer to work with the enemy than one of God's people. If you had to run from Saul. But what's this? The whole other message. Now, faith is the assurance of what we hope for will come about and the certainty of what we cannot see exists. By faith, our ancestors want approval. By faith, we understand that time was created by the Word of God so that what was seen was made from things that were invisible. Now, I'm going to go to a different translation just for a minute here. Now, faith continually exists being. Standing under of things being habitually expected and anticipated. An evidence from a test which proves concerning effects of practices that are not presently seen or normally being observed. Don't you like that? For in the midst of and in union with this, the ancient ones were given testimony. In faith and by confident, loyal trust with the mind we constantly perceive. Now I want to stop right there. That's in verse 3. The Bible says with the mind we continually perceive. It means you hope. Do you know biblical hope, everyone say biblical hope, is a, an earnest expectation. An earnest expectation. But I want you to see something. Did you know that hope gives vision? Do you know that when we say, if I were to say, hey church, August 25th we're all going to we'll sign up, we're going to go to um, Aquarium of the Pacific. What goes into your mind right away? What do you see? In other words, Aquarium of the Pacific, what do you see? Some people see penguins. Some people see, you know, they see dolphins. Some people see, you know, how many here, how many here, some people thought of a location, but how many here instantly saw sea creatures in your mind? We're going to Aquarium of the Pacific. You saw sea creatures. Now, you know what that did? It gave you vision because I gave you a goal or, or a possibility, but you saw something that you don't see here. Isn't it true? You didn't see porpoises right in front of you, you just, but you saw them in the mind's eye, didn't you? Isn't it true? Now, I want you, I, I, this is a cheap, I wish it were a better analogy, but I can't get any better than that right now. Uh, and, and I probably could, but you immediately saw sea creatures. Let's go to SeaWorld. Everyone picture Shamu or a reasonable facsimile. But we're not there. But I gave you hope. Now, if I were to really say that if we go there, they're giving away whoever has the golden ticket gets to go there free for life. Some people really like those kind of places. They're saying, I'm going to go, and now you're anticipating a golden ticket. Now, everyone here would see a golden ticket. Some people picture those little stubs. Some people saw the one from the uh, Willy Wonka from the Chocolate Factory. Some people saw different things because we're always given visuals. God created you to be visual. That's why you see things. That's why you dream. That's why God has given you the ability to close your eyes and see in your, eye, in your eyelids when you look forward. As you close your eyes and see... You can see on the inside what God has already done. Now watch this. Hope is vision, and vision is what you see that gives substance to the unseen. But the Bible here, what we said, it says continually perceives. Now perceiving is an unseen, and that same word is used when you get born again. 
when you hear the message of the gospel, Jesus was speaking to Nick at night, and you know what he told them? He said, hey, you must be born from above to perceive the kingdom of God. You cannot see, now watch this, we're talking about biblical faith, because I'm not talking about the kind of faith that tells you that if you sit down in that chair, it's going to hold you up. That's natural faith. Biblical faith, he speaks about, is creative faith. It creates. And you line yourself up with that which you don't see. That's why the ancients were commended because they gave their life to something that they could not see, and many died not receiving the promise. You know why? Why? Now watch. Sometimes, can I tell you something? You know what faith says? It's a continual perception. You know what that means? is that it will take time to realize the promise in the natural. Say time. See, I, I have to put that out there because sometimes you hear it taught, just believe, speak, and you'll have it. And we read the story of the woman with the issue of blood. How long did she have the issue of blood? Twelve years. How, many, how, how long did she, what did she do with all her money? Spent all her money trying to get healed. And you know what she did? She said within herself. If I may but just touch the helm of his garment, I'll be healed. Right? And so she set herself in motion. They set herself in motion to touch the hem of his garment. Now, can I tell you something? We read that and we make it seem like it was just, oh, there's Jesus down yonder. Here, let me just reach him. If I could just reach him. And, and we picture this thing. But you know what? I wonder how long she was following him to get close to him. Jesus just was in, Jesus just was in a little room like this. He'd visit a city. Now, imagine if he were visiting the city of... Let's just choose Roland Heights for one. Imagine, have you been, let's say she was in a car and she was on Colima at about 5.30 in the afternoon and Jesus was all the way up, way up there by the 57 freeway and she was still down there near Hacienda and she had to touch the hem of his garment and she was in a car and had to reach Jesus. Now how many know that it would take a good while to be on Colima to try to reach Jesus is all the way up by the 57. Those of you that know Colima at 5.30 in the afternoon, how many know it takes sometimes 20 minutes to get two blocks? Yeah, you know, sometimes you have to get out and walk. That's what you do in New York. That's why a lot of people don't have cars in New York because it just gets crazy. Now watch. But she was walking. And you know what would happen if, she, if Jesus reached the end of the city? And he said, well, we're gonna, let's, go, let's go across this, this lake and let's go down yonder. And she's going like, i got to go to the other city. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, but we make it sound like it was just like, oh, there, there's Jesus down. Let me just get to him. And you know what? Let me picture her bleeding. She's walking through the press, and she's an unclean woman, and she's taking a big risk to get to him, and she had to get to him just to touch the hem of his garment. Because I was reading that. And sometimes we read, and we read like we're reading a Nicholas Spark novel. So it's just, you know, things are happening just right there. But when I read it, it inferred that she followed him everywhere. Now, if someone says you followed him everywhere, you know, it means that she was with the crowd trying to get to him. Her face hung on even when he went to rest and retired. Her face was still, and could you imagine? She would have to rest somewhere so that she would not get spotted by the Pharisees and those religious folks. Took a, what's faith there? Risk. 
She risked it all to test the hem of his garment. Now, see, that's why it continually works. Now, what is it that she did? She said, if I may, she didn't stop speaking what she knew would happen when she touched it. Are you with me? We give up too easily. We stop, oh, past the due date. You know, uh, David brought up what sometimes um, Joyce Meyer gets pretty honest about that. And she says, you know, God's not always on time. But can I share with you something else about God being on time? Brother Copeland brought this out, and it's one aspect. Everyone look at me and say, one aspect. Sometimes God's not on time because his people aren't given on time. Are you hearing me? Sometimes God tells you give, and you say, oh, yeah, I will. Sometimes your check's sitting around there around the table for three or four weeks before you get it out, you know. And sometimes that's why God's late. But that's just one aspect. I heard Brother Copeland saying that's because God speaks to a lot of people that don't listen. Okay, so anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there, but I just want to get that one out there. And, and so hope gives vision. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. And I, and I love the fact that when we see these things, I want you to understand this because it says we are faith, confident, loyal trust. You know what loyal trust means? That there's no other. You know with Pam, I have loyal trust. I know that she'll never go with another, and she knows I'll never go with another. Loyal trust. If she goes to Joanne's, I know that she's not going to Bill's. You know, Joanne's is a fabric store. You follow what I'm saying? And, and so if she goes off, and I, don't, I, don't have, I have full confidence that she'll arrive home with a, 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 some sacks of, of stuff that you buy at Joanne's. And, and, and so, you know, we have to have a one-track mind. We have, to, we have to understand, have that loyal trust in him. Now watch this. With the mind, we constantly perceive. Or the, 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 the commentary says, with the intellect, we now understand. The ages, to have become, the ages to have been completely equipped by and thoroughly adjusted and knit together and put into order in God's gushing effect. Now, in other words, we have confidence that God provided everything that he was to provide. Now, isn't that amazing? That's faith. But you're saying faith is all of that? Yes. Faith is all of that and more. It's a, it's a, you know, when Abraham heard from God and he was looking into the sky, but he looked beyond the stars and said, creator of these stars, and God reached down and talked to him and said, stand before me and be thou complete. Why? Because when you stand before God, everything is done. <laughs> That's why when you get in God's presence, Sometimes you get in his presence, and everything you wanted to ask him for just disappears. Because when you're standing in front of him, everything you need is there. Isn't that amazing? At that moment, you have to say, God, I receive everything that I would even think about. It's there. Nothing's impossible in his presence. And so this is why it says that we continually, these guys were able to live. Because, see, they weren't living, watch this. They were not living for the manifestation of what they asked for. They were Faithing in the one who can provide. That's why we understand. See, we don't have trust that we want. We have trust that the one we trust can provide. That's why you'll die for that. Rather, see, because sometimes we live for things. And when things don't come, we're disappointed. But if we live for him who can provide things, isn't that something a kid can wait a year for an Xbox for, for a PS4? They'll wait a whole year. You know why? Christmas. We'll, we'll see if Santa will get you something for Christmas. And we just use Santa as a, as a euphemism, but you know what? But they all know what that means. 
on a PlayStation 4. Really? Okay. But well, we got to hear. Sam and I think we got to hear God provide and save. But well, Sam will get you one. And then you have four teenagers, you know? So you got to have a little more than this, some of that stuff, you know? So you're asking God to provide. So God will provide. But they'll wait because the time comes. They're already saying, clearing spot on the desk or on the dresser for the PS4. In our case, one of, one of the kids went and bought a 60-inch TV so they could start playing with that. <laughs> they were anticipating big. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Having true? See, that, that's faith. And so, and then what happens is, another truth was, they're going back to smaller screens because when the screen is too big, you miss a lot of stuff. But I don't think we ought to play with a 24-inch screen. I thought I only hit them on the head, but at least I didn't pay for the TV and I watched. <laughs> and listen, listen. The spoken word which God, which was God, into the resultant situation, the thing continuous being seen. Everyone say continuously being seen. Being looked at and observed has not yet come into being from out of the midst of things which are normally appearing or continually exposing themselves to view or presently becoming visible or being given light and thus made to appear. In faith, by trust and loyal confidence to express faithful allegiance. Now watch this. Isn't that something that you have to give yourself to a person to operate in the faith that God talks about? You have to be, it's not just natural faith where you say, well, I believe it's going to rain. I believe it's going to, no, 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 no. Elijah first heard it's going to rain. He said, you know what proof he gave him? A cloud that looked like the size of a fist. Elijah didn't even look for the cloud that looked like a fist. The servant had to see the one that looked like a fist. Imagine we're going to end a drought with a cloud in the distance that looks like the size of a fist. Now just hold your hand out like that and look at yourself. Just hold your hand out all the way out like you would. And look at it in the event horizon. Now, imagine that cloud being several miles away from you. How big would that cloud look? Like a little wisp, wouldn't it? But he said, it's going to rain. God gave him, how do you know? You got cloud down yonder? It's going to rain. Now, that's faith. But he had faith in the one who spoke it. All biblical faith begins with the word of God. Because we're, we're talking about how to operate in the kingdom. Did you know that if you've got a newer car, they got these fancy keys that only your car knows? So that you can have a key in your pocket and just, you know, touch your car and open up. You can touch a little button. <laughs> car opens up. You can go like this to the trunk, and the trunk opens up real slow. Back in the day, you had a little switch, a little kicker. You know, and your car making noise and... And then you lift the trunk. Everybody's going, ooh, or you open the door because they have no, they shave door handles. You hit a switch, pop. And you, you had a little lock, a little thing in your pocket. So was, now you can just wave at it. I get to play with my, I have a watch. Uh, and I say, okay, Google, call Pam. And now I, I just hold my hand on the steering wheel. She can hear Pam, you know. Sometimes it says, which Pam? I said, there's only one. <laughs> Because it'll tell you which one. Which one? How many do I have in here? And it's got a nickname, so I have to say the nickname sometimes. <laughs> it does. Today I was calling Robert Ponce. I said, which one? There's only one. So I say Ponce, and it would dial. Really cool, right? 
I come from a time when I had to pull over to a phone booth to try to get a whole pamphlet. sometimes. Some of you remember that. You go to talk privately, you have to take the phone with the longest cord to go outside. <laughs> Set it your porch to the phone on your side. It's true. Now we do it. On, now we get like Dick Tracy and talk on a, on a, <laughs> on a watch. On a watch. <laughs> but see, you say, Pastor, what does this have with recruiting? It has everything to do with recruiting. The scripture breaks it down. I was so amazed in, in, in Matthew. And, and when it brought out, I looked at it and said, recruiting, like for like a military recruiter because you're bringing people into the service of God and the service of the Lord isn't the service of as a slave or a bond servant it means military service so that when we're no longer his friends and we're servants we're servants as one who served in the military isn't that amazing the servants are actually soldiers we're not slaves like someone who who comes to God and dresses him you know how some people have a personal assistant you know I never have a personal assistant put on my shirt you follow what I'm saying? I don't care how rich I get. I'll never have someone, you know, open, the, open my closet and put a shirt on me, put a T-shirt on me, give me a... I think that's just excess. You know what I'm saying? Some of you might say, oh, yeah, bring it up. I almost quit a company when some stupid lady... Two years I was working in the shoe department to cover for someone. Some lady sat down on the thing, plopped herself on a chair and picked up her leg and said, okay, do your service. I'm kidding you. I was, I was ready to... And these are the old blue hairs that used to come to this store. Do your service. Stinky foot off my face, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> What would you like? I didn't, I didn't do anything. I just had to ask her and walk away. Spent some time in the back room, and the old, one of the older ladies that worked in the department came back before I got to go out there. But could you imagine? Some people think that's what the service of the Lord is. It's not. It's serving as a soldier, as someone in the military. Now watch. So hope does this. Now watch. Let's go to Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24. Now, how many understand the essence of faith based on Hebrews 1, 2, and 3? How many got a better or maybe you already knew? But I like, you know what? When I read these commentaries and I read these different versions that are translated out of the Greek directly, you get a literal translation. How many sometimes helps you expand your mind concerning those things that we learn out of the scriptures? Doesn't that I mean when you say constantly believing... Doesn't that sometimes you say, well, you have to believe and say it. Can I tell you, confession is born out of what's in the heart. Confession is not born out of what's in the mind. Confession is what you say over and over again is what's in the heart. Otherwise, you're just trying to talk yourself into it. You know how you get revelation? By spending time with the Father because he's the one that revelates. He's the one that reveals the word. Okay, I'm just making words up. But he's the one that reveals the word. And you get in his presence and say, God, I know what this says, but Lord, I want this to be real. I don't want the devil to blow this away. Because you know what? Sometimes... Some things that we read is like a candle in our mind. And all the devil has to go is, and the thought's gone. How many of you got a revelation from God, and you didn't write it down, and it was like a candle that just blew out because you're trying to get it, and you think, oh, what was it? What was that again? And I, sometimes I have to repent. God, forgive me for not stopping to write this stuff down. When you talk, I need to listen. I need to keep this. And so sometimes I just write. Pam gets angry with me because I'll pick up an envelope and just start writing stuff on an envelope. And, or, or there's an Avon box. We used to, she used to do Avon. They had sex with us. And I'll, start, I'll stop in a minute and start, start writing things down on the Avon box. What's that? Oh, on the, yeah, on the garage door on the inside. Just, you know, just right on, the, right on the thing, a piece of wood. But I just got to get it. And so what I'll do is I'll come back to it and start writing in a piece of paper or I'll speak it into my phone or whatever. But sometimes I'm speaking to someone on the phone and I get revelations. So I start writing down. And so... What happens is I don't want to lose a word from God. So that is personal revelation that can't be taken away. 
That's what you confess. That's what you speak. But the word of God also, watch this, watch this. Faith comes by hearing hearing by the word. So you've got to hear yourself speak the word. If you have an issue concerning healing, by his stripes I am healed, you speak that word. Can I tell you something? If he's having a hard time seeing, I say, you know what? You see in Jesus' name. I don't turn around and say, are you blind? But as a matter of fact, I am. No, I'm kidding. But no, there's a movie where they said, this guy tells this guy, what's the matter with you, fool? Are you blind? He goes, well, yes, as a matter of fact, I am. And he was talking to a blind guy, but it's just, the scene is funny. But anyway, um, I, don't, I don't mock his blindness. I would speak the word concerning his word. No, you're not, he could see. I'm just, I just picked on him because he's got glasses in his front row. But what happens is we have to get hold of that word and not let go. Can I tell you salvation comes by what? We speak it, watch this. It became revelation knowledge that we speak. When you got saved, what does the Bible say? You perceive. You saw it. How do you enter the kingdom? The same way. You perceive, you see, you speak, and you do it. You know that the Bible says, what is the manifestation of what, of what happens in salvation? You are, what is it? The Bible says that you are, that you are born under righteousness. You're born again. With the mouth, with the heart, you believe. True? And with the mouth, you do what? Confess. You speak that which became revelation knowledge on the inside. Did you know that without revelation knowledge, and this is why we do altar calls, is because a lot of people in the natural repeat a prayer. They say, okay, I'm saved. But they don't live under righteousness. The immediate change is that you live under righteousness. When you're not born again, some, some people want to take care of everything. Every, every perceived thing you want to get rid of. But the Bible says that the husband then comes and cuts off those things which are unprofitable. Every year, just like a plant that gets pruned, God cuts off those things that are not producing fruit. Let God do that. Do you know that it's God's responsibility to get you to heaven? Your responsibility is to bring heaven to earth. I'll say that again. It's God's responsibility. Don't worry about getting to heaven. If you're following him, it's his responsibility to get you to heaven because you don't perform to get to heaven. But you do bring heaven to earth. Okay? Some of you guys are free with that statement because when you realize that you're not, you can't do anything to get to heaven because it's what he's done, then now you just live unto God. He said pursue righteousness. You know that in the kingdom it becomes possible to pursue righteousness? Without God, you can't pursue righteousness. You know what pursuing righteousness means for the rest of your life? It means that you'll never get it while you're here. It's always, an, uh, uh, it's always a faith project to pursue righteousness because I'll never be perfect. So don't look at someone in here as if they fall. as a, Well, they fell. And I'm not talking about falling like other Christians talk about. Everybody talks about Jimmy Swagger, he fell. That's what they always say, oh, he fell. But I'm not talking. We all fall forward in our walk with God, don't we? We all stumble. How many here don't, don't ever stumble with God? We all do. And why, that's why he says that I will uphold you with my right hand. You know what his right hand signifies? Righteousness. Isn't that good news? Oh, I, I think it is. I mean, yes, everybody's but it is. It's really good news. Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24. Now, in light of what we just read... Are you getting anything out of this so far? That's two of you. That's worth it. Okay, now watch. Let's, let's do this. Let's do this one. Well, let me get to the different translation again. Jesus told his disciples, have the faith of God. 
Now, if Jesus told the disciples to have faith of God, how many know it's possible to have a faith of God? Did you know that God operates in faith? It's, probably, it's part of what he does. You know that by, it's hard to imagine God having faith, but God operates in the same way. Did you know that he speaks? Well, let me, let me go through this. I tell you all certainty. Well, let's do this. No. I tell you the truth. If someone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Now, why did Jesus say if you speak to a mountain? He picked something that was crazy impossible. I'll tell you what. Tomorrow about noon, I want us all to think and look at Mount Baldy and just look at it and think thoughts of lifting up and throwing it into the sea. The new age people get you like that. and they say, Just think thoughts, positive thoughts. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about, watch, if you truly believe, it means that you, based on the rules of faith, you truly see it. And you have a hope, which is an earnest expectation that when you say to that mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, it will obey you. Now, why was Jesus speaking like this? Why, was he, why did he pick a mountain? See, I always ask myself these questions. You know that parables aren't doctrine. Parables are based on doctrine, but they're not doctrine. Parables, you can get like 80, things, 80 meanings out of the one parable. And they were designed to do that. Did you know that you're supposed to talk to people concerning bringing Jesus to them? You're supposed to do Jesus did and give them a parable? See, a lot of people think that you have to give them the Roman road. Yeah, the faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Wait, 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 wait. Just stop and think about it. Because some people get so dogmatic that, they, that, if, that if you miss something, then you have no faith in what you said. You know that God in his word said that if you believe, that you can be with him forever and ever. Did I just speak the, the gospel? Yes, I did. Thank you, sir. I just did. But I didn't use the, Did you know that God gave you a free gift and it's to have life with him forever? You know that we all have messed up and are far from God because our condition keeps us far from God. Now, let me ask you something. I'm going to ask you something really true. You know, do you know that if, if, that, if, that if you had leprosy, did you know that you couldn't get close to anybody? Isn't that true? If you had leprosy, you couldn't get close. But you know what? His son died and, and brought you life so that what you have, your condition, would allow you to get close to God. Isn't that good news? And so he would take away that leprosy so that now you can get close and have a relationship with God. Now, see... I didn't read the Bible. I, didn't give, I, gave them the, I gave them the essence of the word as it was fed to me, and I give it to them. Why? Because I gave them a parable as though something was happening, but I gave, they were based on doctrine, but it's just as powerful as if you read the scripture to them. Now, I don't mind reading scriptures, but I want to set you free in your heart and your mind because sometimes you want to memorize the Roman road. Fall of sand and fall short of the glory of God. You know, when someone told me that, I'm thinking, oh, it meant nothing to me. That, I, felt that I, was, I was sinning and fell short of the glory. You know that that meant nothing. Well, God gives revelation, but you know that the first time I received Jesus, someone said, you know what? Everything that you've ever done that hurt God, he took away with the blood of Jesus. And he died and he was on a cross and all that blood cleaned everything that you ever did. You know what? I, had? I was God conscious. And so I knew that I hurt God. I even, even as a nine-year-old kid, I made deals with God. God, if you just get me out of this. I will serve you. I'll walk with you. I'll give myself to you. Do you understand? Because we were brought up in a, where people talked about God all the time. And she said, everything you ever did, God will never remember. And when she said, pray this prayer and it will happen, that connected. Now, did she speak the truth out of the scriptures? Yes. And it connected. 
and I had revelation knowledge, and I saw the blood just cleansing me. Don't ask me how it just looked at when the blood was, I was clean. I was a clean nine-year-old kid. Because you know what? And I was on Sunset Boulevard rolling drums because they give you money if you help them up out of the, because some of them fall asleep in storefronts. And, and they're saying, oh, help me. And they say, help them and everything. They reach in their pocket and give you a bunch of money. I thought, hey, good way to make money. So I leave the house about 8.30 before we went to church, and I'd have offering money. But anyway, um, and, and, and so we would go to Angela's Temple. And, and this lady caught me on the bridge over Alvarado, and she started talking to me about Jesus. And she just told me. It, and it was the first. Because usually I would say the prayer with them and crunch up the paper and throw it away and keep walking. And you know what my parents thought I was doing? They thought I was going down to Pioneer Market on, on, right out there on, the, on, the, on Sunset Boulevard and Echo Park down to Pioneer Market to go buy cereal and, and milk for all of us. But I'd go down there and help up the drunk and get a pile of money. And $5 is a lot of money for a kid, you know. And they'd help them up and they'd go help me to my car and they'd stumbling and I'd help them out and they'd just reach in my pocket. Some of them gave me nothing, but you know, the, the one they did was worth it. And well, this lady caught me, bam, and, and it hit. And I was saved. Faith came alive on the inside and I saw and I came into the kingdom. Now after that, I was a raging heathen for a while because, you know, we moved somewhere else. But can I tell you something? That was the first connection. And that's when I truly believe, that's why I want you to understand that your expression can define the word of God to someone and you don't have to feel guilty about not memorizing scripture. You know, the most scripture I memorize is just because I put it in me to teach. Not because turn around and sit there. You know what I do want? My goal is to memorize Psalm 91 and memorize Romans 8. Those two right there. But do you understand? What, 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 gets, what makes his word work is what comes alive on the inside. Revelation knowledge brings confession, and confession brings possession. Okay? That's what faith does. That's why you have to have, spend time in his word. And you know what? You can confess the word that hasn't gotten into the heart yet. You can say, Father, thank you. You know what? I just thank you. I want it to sit here. Lord, by his stripes I'm healed. I want to see much. You know what? I want my mind to perceive. Can I tell you something? You know what your mind perceives? Health. How would I walk if my knees didn't hurt every once in a while? Thank you. Then I have to perceive myself walking the way. You know, for a while, because my knees were hurting all the time, I would just shuffle. You know, sometimes when you're wearing flip-flops, you kind of fluffle. You, you kind of shuffle because you really can't walk heel-toe. Well, you can, but you've got you to be strong. But, but if, if, you, if you change your gait and you begin to do something different that you hadn't done in like 10 years, then it feels foreign. When I was a kid, I got to go to, a, when we, they sent us to this giant ship, uh, aircraft carrier and stuff, they also sent us to a place in the museum where a selected few can go into this place and you were, you were weightless. And you know what? When they start lift, taking away the gravity... It is so weird to walk. You, every time you take a step, you kind of like bounce. As it is when I was a kid, I used to have a bounce when I walked. So my dad had a bounce when he walked. We know my dad in the crowd because we see him. You know, because he, he had this bounce. There's dad. How do you know? It's just it's from far away. And, and so I would walk like that because I guess we, you know, we follow dad forever, and so I would have this bounce. And, and but the bounce that I had was magnified when I was weightless. And you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? It's because any, if you change your environment, even the way you walk and talk will change. You know, once I heard a recording of myself. Watching this, it's true. I heard, because I, I don't like to listen to myself speak. I was, I was preaching. And I was listening to myself. And I go, oh, my God. 
I sound like, in my ears, I was like, well, you know, if you get this, and I was thinking, what the, why am I speaking this way? So I had to slow down because I wanted to get the word, but I wanted to speak so much that, that, that I would hear myself to say like this, and I, I'm thinking, why am I sounding so crazy? So I had to change because, you know what, when you begin to do something, see, when I would do things at work, it was different because I had to be methodical. I said, man, when I preach at church, I better be methodical. And so I changed what I would, the way I would speak so that it would make sense. So you can control the effect of your faith because it's through your perception and intellect that you put these things. See, a lot of people think you disconnect your mind when it comes to having faith. You don't. Your mind goes to action, and the abilities to imagine and perceive are very much a part of who you are and how to receive what God says. That's why he said he gave you the hardest, most impossible thing to do is see that mountain down yonder, you speak to it, and if in your heart, in your mind, you see that thing lifting up and going to the ocean, it'll happen. That's what your faith can do. That's what he was telling you. Your faith can accomplish those things so that what you believe you'll say, you can have. You know why he picked that most impossible thing? Because he didn't pick something you could do. He picked something that was going to be impossible to do. And he said, this is what you can do if you believe that. Now, how many know that if you try to believe that, when you go to believe something smaller, it will happen? Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Close your eyes and you see Mount Baldy. If we all started speaking to Mount Baldy and saying, you know what? You know what? But the events of that kind of movement would be cataclysmic and we'd probably think California under the sea. But can it, watch. <laughs> but what I'm trying to tell you is that if you just look and you act and you say, thank you, Father, that your word works. And, and your faith has to have a destination. So speaking to the mountain and having it thrown into the sea had no destination, had no purpose, right? Faith has purpose. Faith has a destination. Faith has a, has what, a birthplace in the heart and a reason for being. How many here have ever had, were believing God for someone to get saved? How many know that your faith had a purpose? Your faith had a destination? How many ever had a, a deep need? And you say, God, thank you that your word works. And I have nothing to trust in except your word right now, Father. Thank you for supplying every need in this house. Thank you for supplying every need in this church in Jesus' name. Father, thank you. And you know what? I ask God, Lord, we need $10,000 a month in this church in Jesus' name. And I don't look at you. I know some of you can write a $10,000 check all the time. It wouldn't clear, but you know what? You can do it. But, but, but what I'm telling you is that, is that watch this. Listen. I ask God, but you know what? In my mind, when I'm asking God and I do see you, I see you having the ability to be able to write a check that way. So I'm, I'm covering your prosperity as well as I'm covering what God is needing to, for us to do. Why am I needing that? Because I want to get into a building in which we can be effective to, to effectively produce what we need to, to supply for our children, to supply for the nursery, to supply for people's well-being. Because a lot of people come in here and say, oh, you have a kid's apartment? Yes. We meet upstairs. They walk upstairs and say, uh, no. Now, some do and some don't. It all depends on what kind of, how you speak to the people. Yeah, we let them, we, we let them run around upstairs. Thank you, sir. And, and so, but, but we don't do that. But what I'm telling you is that what we perceive is what we have. If you look at your wallet and you perceive it continually being empty, it'll always be empty. But you know what? Let, let, me, let me just come up to this. If your ability to tithe is your mountain that you speak to. Because some people, you know, I run into people 
quite a bit everywhere. That's the first thing they asked me about. It's the tithe. Is the tithe legal in the New Testament? I said, <clears throat> and I said, I give them the honest answer. No, but it's a starting point because God wants more in the New, in the New Testament. No, no, I change it. He desires more because he knows what he can do. So the tithe is just the beginning because when people cry about the tithe, it's actually preachers, if they're going to use that scripture, they ought to demand three of them and often. Because if you rob me in tithe and often. It's not just 10%. But just for, the, just for the sake of argument, I tell people we start at 10%. Why? Because there was, watch this, there was wisdom. <laughs> if you were filled with the Spirit, there was wisdom in the Old Testament to be able to tithe. And the people in droves came and brought their tithes and offerings to, to the priests. Therefore, when we, when we start, I tell them that's a starting point. And I, I, we have to have enough faith. Watch, if your faith project is being able to tithe and trust God with 90% of your income, then I'm with you. You've got to get a revelation of being able to give and start with the tithe. It's part of his system. It's part of the economy of God. And so your mountain might be able to release. It's hard to release 10%. Some of you have got, well, I'm going to go to 12%, and that's your mountain. Amen. Because some, after a while, there's no faith in releasing 10. See, the New Testament's all about faith. Did you know that people that don't have a tithe imposed on them in churches give up to 33% of their income on the average? And God is just richly blesses them. Just richly blesses them. Now watch. I, and the reason I'm saying this is because I want you to be able to trust God with your substance, with all that you are. Now watch this. And he says, I tell you the truth if anyone says, for this reason. Everyone say, for this reason. So what was he talking about right before that? Speaking to a mountain, having it thrown into the sea. Amen? For this reason. Watch what he says. I tell you that whatever you pray for and ask, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. For that reason, he's saying that you can believe that you receive when you pray. When do you believe that you receive? What are you doing when you're asking? Praying. You know, a lot of people turn around and say, God, I need this. No, no, no. Get into a place where you're talking to him. Get into a place where you're in his presence. Get into a place where you say, God, don't just get into a place of petition. Could you imagine, what if your kid, every time he talked to you, just said, give me, give me, give me. Seems like when they reach their teens, that's what they do a lot. But, you know, uh, but watch this. What is the only time your, your sister calls you from wherever she's living and she calls and says, hey, I need $6,000? Not even say, hey, how you been doing? A lot of times we do that with God. Yo, Lord, you got to break it down. Money cometh. I need it now. Your word said. Isn't that something that we get, we get all familiar with his word when it comes to petitioning? How about spending some time with him? When you pray. Believe that you receive what you ask. When do you ask? When you pray. What it's implying there is that there's a little season of prayer in which you get to the place where you know that you want what you're asking for. How many know the book of James says that sometimes we don't get our prayers answered because we ask amiss? Because we're double-minded. We're like kids. How many have seen kids that watch commercials? Oh, the grandkids do this a lot. They see a, a, a commercial and it's a bunch of Barbies. Oh, I want that! And then it's over and it's a Play-Doh commercial. Oh, I want that. I said, well, which one did you want? You know, they show cereal. Oh, I want that just because it's pink? We kind of get that way with, with God too, don't we? 
You know, when I first saw the Tesla, I said, Lord, one of those. I'll be good to the environment, Lord. No, but <laughs> beautiful cars. Pam told me about it first, and then we were looking for what she was looking at. I said, oh, no wonder you want it. $80,000? Yeah, Tesla? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful car. Don't have to stop at gas station. And it's everything a man wants to because it goes fast for prolonged periods of time. But, you know, but, but I'm telling you, then again, in his presence, Lord, I don't even think about the Tesla. Do you, follow, do you understand what I'm saying? When you pray, if you carry that in your prayer room with you, then it'll be something you'll petition. You know, I'll, I'll tell you right now. Pam and I are at, look, I was just telling Pam, I'm going to close here because we're going to continue in faith being the language of God. When we received the Yukon, it was really hard because we were at a place where it was hard for us to receive. We would tell everybody about receiving. And then when we received it, it was like, oh, no, Lord, don't you. Now, we received this Yukon. Every day when we see this beast in our driveway, it's a big red car. I just walk out and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know why? Because it came a time when we need to fill it with people. But we, you know that our Yukon every time we come, it's full. You know, just when Pam and I are thinking we need something smaller, come to church full again. We're, there's sometimes we're at a, point, a place where we might want to get a little trailer to fill up the stuff we have to bring to church. Now, you know, we're at at the time, we're saying, God, we're asking God, Pam and I both here, what would we ask God for if we had to get something different? We start kind of thinking of smaller cars or a mid-sized SUV. Look, we always go back to, we need something like the Yukon, something big still, something that fits people. So our truck's always full. Yeah, today, we had a truck filled. And we always have to arrange everything. I had to, they, they say that I'm a Tetris king because I get to stack everything. Just and, and I don't like the way other people stack it, so I redo it so that, so that it fits. You know what I hate is when you open the hatch and everything falls. But when I do it, it doesn't do that. But anyway, <laughs> no, it's true. Because I learned. It's one of the things I learned at UPS. Because they would write you up that if they opened up your truck and everything fell, you got to write it. So anyway, what we, we just need one. So they say, Lord, we're asking God for a new, a new Yukon or a new SUV. Now, watch this. Watch this how God takes care of things. That, watch. God, that car, that truck has got just a little under 300,000 miles. And our mechanic, you know what he says? Oh, yeah, don't have It's incredible. Like, tiene ya casi 300 millas, 300 millas. Then he talks like that. Oh, yeah, David. You know, he says, David, it is unbelievable that this truck has almost 300,000 miles and still has all this compression. And I tell him, it's because it was a gift from God. And you know what else God provided? The ability to pay for every little maintenance thing that goes wrong. And I always tell the Toyota lovers, oh, it's a good car. I said, so is mine. Almost 300,000 miles. Still going strong. Because you know, Toyota people, American make things can't be any good. You understand what I'm saying? I said, hey, the door handle's still old. They, you know, you can close the door. You know, because people always say, oh, you know, all the little things fall off. Well, not on this one. But, but anyway, Toyota Honda lovers, no, I'm kidding. But no, those are good cars too. They're just too little. Like, you know, it's like, it's like driving crustaceans. There's no frames. <laughs> There's no frames. They have crunch zones. But anyway, I'm, I'm just playing with you. You can drive whatever you want. That's your, your autonomous beings that have choice. <laughs> no, I'm playing with you. But what, listen, 
faith allows you to receive what you ask. You know that when I get in God's presence and I ask, Lord, I, I can ask for a vehicle like that. You know why? Because it stays with me and we know that we will use it for the kingdom. Isn't it amazing? Ham was blessed with a little Beamer. It's a 98 BMW. So everyone's like, a BMW? You know, it's a 98. Nice. But you know what? God has hooked us up with the right people. Then Manny went and bought one. Again, it's a 99. So it's not like, you know, everyone's like, oh, no, 99. And when he got it, it seemed like the devil was slamming. You know what the devil does to slam people sometimes? You know, thing where just the devil tries. And we can, I mean, it's a transmission. And there was something on the inside of me. And I told Pam I was playing with her. We were playing. And I said, man, you know why I knew I was right? Because I, because I knew or something. I knew I was right. I said, no, what it was is that because when God put me into work with automotive, I had to depend on God for everything because I knew nothing about cars. I was a good manager, but I knew nothing about cars. And God taught me. There was something on the inside of me that just kept telling me, it's not the transmission. Look at some electrical things, little sensors. Well, anyway, uh, Robert found this guy. We finally were going to take it to his guy to look at it. And he just said, look at this thing. And he looked at it, and he sent it to one guy. And you know what the guy said? Oh, it's two little sensors. And they fixed it, and the car runs like a top. And at the same time, along with the cost, which wasn't, it wasn't excessive, along with the cost, we got a list of every little thing that's wrong with it, which really nothing, but it is. Like, in other words, you're going to have to replace the little turn signal sockets pretty soon. But they work. But sometime in the near future, you're going to replace those. There's that kind of list. But what's so cool is that we came with a list of all the little things that as time goes on, he can fix. But the engine and drivetrain are excellent. Now, the reason I say this is because God is so good. Because the original guy that sold it, he was already looking for a transmission to replace. And when I called him and told him, he was like, incredible. It's amazing. I've never heard. He goes, this is a learning thing for me. And this guy's a mechanic that works on these things all the time. Now, I'm sharing this is because this is what God can do when you, when you know something in your heart. It's the most mundane thing and just a worldly thing. But Pam and I were parents who were concerned with our kids starting out. Do you understand what I'm saying? Robert was in the same place going, man, we don't want, we want the kids to have something, you know. That, and, and now they're just cruising around. They love that little car. And it's a nice little car, too. And I drove it. It was tons of fun. But... What I'm saying is that God, being involved in everyday things, that your faith works on everyday things. Because you're members of the kingdom of God, therefore the kingdom, the benefits of the kingdom are yours. That's why Paul, when he said that he has citizenship in two nations, the Roman government and the kingdom of God. But he knew which one he lived for. He lived and died for the kingdom of God, not Caesar. Our shift, brothers and sisters, has to go towards that of the kingdom, and it begins in the small everyday things, exercising your faith, and continually, you know what? Don't stop. You be like the waves of the sea that just hit and hit and hit, and don't stop in your endeavor. Because I like what it says. You continually perceive, and you know that your perception will grow. Because you might be asking God for a little two-bedroom house, and by the time it came to now, you're asking God for a full four-bedroom house, and you know what you want in it, and you'll know what kind of refrigerators you want, you know all of these things. You know that we have people in our house all the time. Pam and I already have our eyes on another, our next refrigerator. Is because we have people over our house all the time. And it's one of the, you know, those big ones that look like industrial freezers? But it's all because, you know what? It's a, it's a drag to operate out of two refrigerators. 
really is. And what happens is, you know, not only do we have a larger family, but when family visits, you got to have the goods. That's why I crack up when I, go, when I see this, the TV shows and they open a refrigerator and it's like two beers, a gallon of milk and orange juice. I'm like, that's a lot. Have you seen that? A pack of bologna and that's, that's it. And, and, but we're always having people over and so, hey, Mexican family, we always feed everybody. But amen. Did you, did you all get this? Did you get something out of this? Because faith is natural in the kingdom. It just flows out of you. And that's why I, want, I spend a lot of time on Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, just hammering that home because your hope is what drives vision because hope brings vision. And vision brings substance. See, that's what the scriptures teach us. And so when I broke it down into that, the, the, the literal Greek, I loved it when that perception becomes reality as we don't give up on speaking the thing that God shows you on the inside. Notice that I always said it's what God's word releases to you that, that, that causes your faith to have substance and vision. Amen? All right, glory to God. Any, any questions? See, I'm being good, guys. It's already 610. I'm trying to keep our services at two hours. But, you know, the worship team went long today, so no, I'm playing. <laughs> I'm, I'm playing. But, but listen, church. The Spirit of the Lord is revealing this stuff because we need it in the days to come. This is why I'm studying faith. And I could have brought you a, a mimic message the way that Fred Price and, and all of those are, are generals before taught it. But you know what? That's the stuff we're walking. We ought to begin to teach another level of faith that we haven't gotten into. Because you know what? That stuff is viable. That's what we need. But can I tell you, if I haven't graduated from that into something more, woe is me. Because our faith is tied to our relationship with Jesus Christ. It cannot grow without his relationship with him. Because faith is not a formula, it's a way of life. Amen? All right. Glory to God. You know what? Next week, bring some friends. Bring some friends to church Sunday. Notice I didn't say bring a friend. Bring some friends. Because you know what? We need to recruit. You know why we need to recruit? Because we need to build for the kingdom. You know why we need to build for the kingdom? Because we need to increase. And we're going to get into a little bit of that all the time as well. So church, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll do that too. Father, I pray, listen, listen carefully. Just get ready to receive healing in your body. Father, I pray, yes, sir, we release healing right now in Jesus' name. Every ache and pain be lifted right now. Every, every, Bad, every ounce of bad news that reached our ears concerning our health be lifted. Now, Jesus, enter. Bring healing, restoration, and correction to our bodies in Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name, deaf ears hear. And it's not just the, it's the loss of hearing. Come back. Eyes. There's someone in here who's just really bothered that your vision is just not, it's changing. Be healed right now in Jesus' name. I will. Father, thank you that hair regrows. I, I command this baldness to be reversed in Jesus' name. See, God is concerned with that which concerns you. In Jesus' name, the fear of cancer, go! Now, we eliminated the seed. Now, health and healing come into the body. I speak to that symptom. Go! In Jesus' name. Now, those things that you're waiting to receive in your body, there's... The fatigue has to leave. Now, fatigue, go. 
in Jesus' name. The bottom of someone's feet just ache all the time, and it didn't, wasn't like that, and you're thinking of shoes, orthotics, and all these different things. Be healed right now. Healed right now in Jesus' name. Be healed right now in Jesus' name. Every symptom bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Be gone in Jesus' name. Someone, you smacked your elbow and there's a lot of pain right now. Just, all that pain, be gone. Someone's like, well, this, this pain's going to be with me for a while. No, it's going right now in Jesus' name. That pain is just going right now in Jesus' name. As a matter of fact, if you check yourself, it's all gone in the name of Jesus. You know, someone's been just getting headache after headache after headache, and it's not one that knocks you out, but it's just a noise. I speak to the cause of that headache and be, receive healing, and muscles relax. And Father, I thank you that right now, as it, the anointing rains down upon the people, they walk in peace, and their immune systems are strong in Jesus' name. And even these common cold symptoms be gone in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You're going to see that your tiredness wasn't caused because of your lack of sleep. The enemy was coming in and bringing a, an element of fatigue in your body, and you were just tired. I come against these symptoms. And, and, and someone's been toying with the idea that they have fibromyalgia. No, that's a lie of the devil. Be gone in Jesus' name. And can I tell you something? It's not about age. So don't accept symptoms in your body with age. Be healed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. You got something, Pam? No? Ms. Norma? All right. Well, speaking of Ms. Norma, we're going to have her come up in a minute. But right now we're going to take up our this evening's tithes and offerings. And uh, if you need an envelope, uh, Mr. Xavier will... Hand you an envelope. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about our core values. I know this thing's putting out like warm air. Start thinking of... Start thinking about... Um, the, the, the core values in your life. I don't know, one of those things is set up. It was set up for 75 degrees, so you know. There we go. The other day I was shopping at a Smart and Final. The store was hot, I mean, real hot. And I asked them, what's going on? I said, well, uh, the people there signed up for the Flex Alert thing where if they use too much electricity, all their ACs go down between 2 and 6 or something like that. And so that store was crazy hot. And so I asked the cashier, I said, how you all doing? She goes, we're hot. This place is crazy hot. You know, then they told me what they did. I said, that's not cool. Because you know what? As a customer, I wanted to run out of the store. <laughs> Amen. How many, how many of you ever passed a restaurant? You know, going to a little restaurant, but you know the front door's open? He's angling in there because you know it's hot. I have a couple of fans going. He said, nope, I'm going to stop there. But anyway, um, every need supplied in this house, every need supplied. And Father, those that are believing for abundance, may come in Jesus' name. May come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth.
as you've released, I want you to begin to pray. Some of you released not just your tithes, but you've released an offering. Along with this offering, begin to receive. Just put that in a seed for that which, you know what the Lord told me? That you're seeding a project. And there's some things that you want to do, and you're seeding a project. And just begin to, re- begin to in your heart, receive the needs met for the project. Right? And, I, and that might, that's what I'm picking up in my spirit. It could be anything, but just be ready to receive plans or whatever you need for your project, for the project. You just seed for the project. And Father, we thank you. You know what? The, there's going to be a turnaround harvest on this, so get ready to receive it. And, and don't, don't turn down anything. Did you know that your faith always has, your faith will always have measurements. Your faith, you know there's some things that you'll receive in increments. Celebrate the increments of the answers to your prayer in faith. Don't just say, oh, that wasn't it. No, 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 no. You, you receive that, and you celebrate that in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, Lord, that as we receive tithes and offerings, Lord, that, that as you receive these, Father, these implements, Father, that, re- that, that represent our living, Father, that you receive, and though it leave our hand, it never leaves our life. Father, thank you that the windows of heaven continue to be open because it's your promise. Thank you, Lord, that, that our storehouses and our barns are full in Jesus' name. Hey, 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 listen to me. So, some people are tripping right here because you're not giving the full tithe. Let me share something with you, that the windows of heaven and these promises are still yours by virtue of the blood of Jesus. So don't discount what I'm saying and what I'm praying for you right now. Because as you release what you did, some of you are releasing a little short of the tithe, but it's as much as your faith can carry, God will receive it because it's what you're doing in faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm talking about the Spirit of God. So Father, thank you that storehouses remain full and that the barns are overflowing according to your word. Thank you that our goods last, Father. Thank you that we're givers, Lord, that our hearts are to give and we're givers, Lord, in Jesus' name. And so, Father, thank you that the operation of your word is in operation in their life as the blessing to enable what grace provides, Father, that our faith would rise up and take what's being served before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right. Let's bring up Miss Norma. We're going to sing happy birthday. We're going to bless her. Go ahead and face the people. This, uh, you know, I, I don't know how old she is, but I'm going to tell you that it's a lot. Oh, it's a six toe? Well, no wonder. I was going to say it's a landmark birthday. It is. It's a landmark birthday. And it's something to be celebrated. Not something to say, oh, man, I was 60. And, and, it's, and it's not. Because God, can I tell you something? Our heroes in the Bible were 80 years old and can swing a sword like they were 20. You know that she's got more stamina than a lot of our young people do. A lot of our young people are going, oh, I'm tired. And she's still going. You understand? There, there's a lot of good things. And, and see, there's a... The Lord is going to do something to you and in you because there's going to be an opening and an expanding of your mind to be able to perceive and to understand and to know things that you haven't known previously. Because, see, there's a landmark to this age that is allowing you to receive and to be expanded in the understanding of the things of God and the wisdom that God is pouring into you. There's something that is going on right now in you. And, Lord, thank you that the, that the soul and the brain connection, Father, are coming to this place so that the perception of the eyes and the ears and the mouth as he speaks, Father, there's, there's, there's greatness that is being brought out of you that has been latent in you for several, several years. But you're, you've been 
the, the, the expansion of your mind skin is allowing you now to receive the excess of what God has for you in this time. For your time, you say it might have been in times past, but no, your time is now beginning. And, your, and the abilities and the things that God wants you to move in are going to expand. The power and the wisdom, because you're filled with the Holy Ghost, and you're not afraid to speak in tongues, that God is going to bring about wisdom that has not been seen until today. Those cutting-edge things that people implement, that, God, that the people of God need, are going to come out of your mouth, and you're going to have wisdom to answer questions to those that, have, that require an answer. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, your body, that your body's stamina increases, that your body's ability to move and to act in, uh, on, on, on God's impulses will happen, and that your rest will be complete rest, that you wake up refreshed day to day, day to day, day to day. Your lineage in the natural has nothing to do with the lineage of God at work in you now. Therefore, rise up, daughter. Be not dismayed for the things that I'm about to do in you. For you're about to surpass even the wisdom of those that have gone before you. And the revelation of those that have gone before you and the generals that you feed off of, your wisdom is going to exceed theirs. So be ready. And don't question what I'm doing in you. Because it is a good thing. This landmark birthday is not just a landmark by year, but it's a landmark because God is marking July the 3rd as the day that he began to input and pour out of the heaven that which is to be required in the next 20 years. For there will be such an outpouring of the Spirit that will come through you, and His glory will pour out of you as rivers of living water. So, daughter of mine, do not be dismayed for the things that are coming. And see, the old Norma is going away. It's going away. There's going to be a Norma that will love, that love, love. Because you've been asking God, Increase the love. There's going to be increase. There's going to be increase. And you won't be offended like you have been in times past. God is doing such a new thing in you that love is the principal thing. And your love will increase the level of your faith. The things that seem like they were impossible will not be impossible. Part of the possibility in this is the season that you're in today. So therefore, Ms. Norma, be ready for the increase of the Spirit of God in you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Glory to God. Well, let's going to be there for a little bit. So happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Norma. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Pastor George, you're going to hear. Oh, God's blessing on you. God's blessing on you. God's blessing on you. Jesus truly loves you. Pastor George, you're going to have a new woman. Be ready. Her revelation is going to pass yours, so I'm, I'm playing. In Jesus' name. <laughs> She's going to tell you, and you're going to be told. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, praise the Lord. And you know what? This message is available on Talk to you if you want to go back to it. Or, you know what, there, we covered some good things. See Pastor George about, a, uh, about a, re- a recording or downloading into your phones or however you guys do it. So, um, in Jesus' name, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May make his face to shine upon you. Oh, my goodness. May his grace and graciousness just be manifest in your life. 
as he lifts his countenance towards you, don't neglect the time, face-to-face time with God and receive the shalom, shalom of God. Be blessed. And uh, we've got some cake and some things in the back, and you're dismissed. Amen. Glory to God. Yeah, roll. All right, bro. I'll see you next week. All right, man. I'll have to go next week. Hey, um, now that they got all this construction fixed, I got to meet with this lady this week. But we were down for two weeks because of this. They replaced all the ACs in here. Yeah. Oh, bro, we were in here. Were you here that one day we were in here? And it was, it was. You're going to say what? You wait till the air comes back to come back? Yeah, they do. We couldn't come in. Oh, yeah. We couldn't, we couldn't do anything in here. But um, anyway. All right. Oh, are you? Well, good. You guys have a good time. Hey, how did it go at that healing, the healing house? Uh, I never went. Oh, okay. I went up north, so I didn't go there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I went there. Well, have fun in Ohio. It's hot up there, bro. Not tonight, it won't be. No, not tonight, no. Yeah, it's by Ventura. Yeah, it is. Just up the, up the mountain. I think last time I was there, it was like 100 and something, and I was like, ah. Don't tell me that. No. that I'll, <laughs> I'll see you later, bro. All right, sir. See you soon. Gotta shut off uh talk to talk to, thank you.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.